What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You don't have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get from God on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture is without reason when it says that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. This is why scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. So here in James, he's setting out these two different kinds of wisdoms, two different directions that we can go in. There's the wisdom from above that comes from God, and then there's this false wisdom which inspires a way of life contrary to the wisdom that comes from God. It's this wisdom that comes from below, this evil wisdom. Jesus came saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this is the same thing, this way of Jesus, this way of wisdom. This way that connects us to God. And in this passage, James is making it clear that these kind of two poles um, of a different life result in two different kinds of action. So in this passage, um, God's wisdom comes, comes along with actions that are in um, morality, that flows into good deeds, into peaceful relationships, and into serving other people. And the evil wisdom um, sees you pursuing your self-interest, which reduces, reduces others to competitors and obstacles and objects to be kicked out of the way. In this passage, James makes it clear that these, um, in these things, God isn't just concerned about um, the actions that these things produce, but also the kind of character that is transformed within us along the way. It's about how um, living out these things cultivates something within us. How we carry those things out. The way of God's wisdom comes um, from a way of living that is characterized by compassion, by a genuine desire to live at peace with others, to bless others and to not keep scores, to see all people as equally beloved of God and not to favor one over the other. This life is characterized by giving beyond the level that serves you. This life is characterized by humility. In contrast, the evil one's wisdom cultivates a way of life and of character that is suspicious and full of jealousy and envy and bitterness. It's a life where you see the success of others as a mark of your own failure. A life of competition where you need to cut other people down to build yourself up. This is a life where there's never enough. This life is characterized by giving only so you can get. This life is characterized by pride. A life characterized by humility or a life characterized by pride. So, in this passage, 
we get the sense that there's kind of two ways we can go. And tonight we're going to examine um, this life of true wisdom and how we can live more fully into that. So as we've kind of gone through, this life is um, found in relationship with God. It, this wisdom, this wise life, um, has to provoke action. It can't just be something we think and don't translate into action. But on the way, that integration, that rub between um, our relationship with God and the living out of those actions has to transform our character as well. We're going to change. So how do we move into this? I'm going to actually throw that out. What do you think I'm going to say, guys? There's no one point going to be. Good guess. Also, good guess. Anyone else? Fifth days. Fifth days. Yeah. Strong guess. Very strong guesses. Okay. I won't leave you guys hanging much longer. Um, I think the core thing to this is humility. Yeah. So recently, a bunch of us were at Manifest Presence, which is this big Pentecostal gig up in Auckland. And um, there was a lot of challenging stuff and, and good stuff that was brought up there. But I think one thing that um, we all came away with um, is the need to stay teachable. And tonight I want to say that humility is all about staying teachable. Because as soon as you think you haven't got anything more to learn, you're actually going to stop learning. As soon as you think you know it all, that you're the expert, you're going to develop a posture of an expert, which stops you actually being able to connect with um, new ways of living and new ways of engaging with people. Because it takes humility to recognise that maybe, just maybe, you don't know it all. And this is the posture that tonight's scripture calls us to have before God. We read, God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. And this thing of resisting the devil is, um, is tied up in this. You can choose this life of humility, this life that moves towards God, and inherently it's a move away from this evil other way of life. And the submission towards God, the turning towards God, is a turning away um, from the temptation to live this proud other life. So humility is a posture we carry, and it's a gift that we bring to God, a willingness to be taught, a willingness to listen, at Manifest Presence, a thing that they, they said, which has stuck with me, is that um, as Christians, it's our role um, to grow in maturity, but to stay a child. To develop our character and to grow, but to stay humble and willing to learn. So just like I learned to cook by um, spending time with my mum in the kitchen, um, that's, that's how we learn how to do things um, is by spending time with God. We learn the nature of how God thinks about things, how God would have us live, and that transforms us. If, as an eight-year-old, I'd rolled into the kitchen and said, look, Sue, I actually think I've got this, and um, you just leave it to me, I would definitely be the worst for it. Pride would have stopped me learning. And it also would have kind of got in the way of our relationship. Because pride builds walls. You guys can probably all think of an instance um, 
where you've engaged with someone that's been pretty proud and it's quite hard to, um, yeah, those are hard relationships. And if we are um, doing that towards God, nay God, I've got it, I've got it sussed. Um, yeah, you can see how that would be difficult to maintain a healthy relationship. And I think this is what Jesus is saying in Mark 10 when he says, Assuredly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And I think a massive part of this um, is their humility. It's not about how they don't know how to read or they don't have temperature regulation so they're always like sweating too much or freezing. Um, I think it's about their willingness to be taught, to just come and be with Jesus and absorb what he had to show them. So humility is essential to our relationship with God. The second thing is humility is essential to enable us to serve others. Um, as we've seen, an essential part of wisdom is action. So Max and Scott and Jesse were talking to us over the last few weeks about how wisdom shows up in our actions. Speaking of himself, Jesus said, The Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Son does, whatever the Father does, the Son does also. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Jesus knew the heart of God and did the things he saw his Father doing. So too, we are invited to spend time with Jesus and to see the things that Jesus does and to do them. The time we spend with Jesus must change how we live, how we speak, how we treat others. And the reason um, that humility is, I think, essential in this is that if we become too proud, we start to think that certain actions are beneath us. We think it's someone else's job to feed the hungry, or to welcome the stranger, or to clothe the naked, or to do the dishes. This is arrogant pride, where we think we are better than others. But I also think there's this other pride in New Zealand culture where we can be um, too afraid to ask for help, and this is a kind of, um, or too afraid to not seem like we've got it all together or we um, know what we're doing. And I think this is a kind of a fearful pride. In this, I think it takes humility both to give, to step into a life of service, but also to receive. That's another sort of pride. Because it takes humility to admit that you've held a grudge against someone and to rock up and say, I'm sorry. That takes humility and courage. It takes humility to sign up to play music at church when you're afraid you might not be good enough and people might secretly think you suck a bit and that people will judge you, but you want to serve God anyway, so you do it. It takes humility to learn te reo as an adult and suck at it, but to do it anyway because you want to value the language and the worldview of the people of this land. Oh yeah. humility to lose your place on your slides and carry on anyway. <laughs> it takes humility to recognise that you can't do the journey of faith alone and to show up to church even when you don't feel like you have it all together. 
It takes humility to admit your mental health isn't in a great place and you need to ask for help. And I think humility and courage go hand in hand and pride and fear go hand in hand. Fearful pride and arrogant pride build up these walls which stop us from serving others or receiving the service of others. And this isn't what God wants for us. Fearful pride and arrogant pride stop us from loving God and from receiving the love of God. But humility makes a door in this wall and creates a way for us to walk into a life of action. Our scripture says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. <coughs> so humility enables action. And the third thing is that wisdom is about how our deeds are done. It's about learning from God and from our experience and allowing our character to be shaped. And Haim was talking about that earlier, to, to allow the um, brilliant logic and rationale that Haim is very strong in to, um, to bend enough to give God the opportunity to call him to serve in a new way. To be willing to be challenged and to grow. And James is really specific here. A wise life results in deeds done with humility and sincerity and generosity. The character of how we carry our actions out matters to God. We are not robots who simply listen to God and hear what God wants us to do and go out and execute a task. God cares about how we live and who we are becoming in the process. Because the more time we spend with God, the more time we spend serving others, it is going to challenge us. And the more we're challenged, the more we realize we don't have it all together, that starts to get a bit scary. That's unnerving. And it's at that point that fearful pride could say, um, this might make us look a bit stupid, or um, hey, we might wound our ego here, or um, people might think we're a bit weak if we cry in public, so we should just run away now. But humility shows us, tells us to show up. Humility calls us to courage, to grow, and have courage to be transformed. This is the growing pain of wisdom. A wise life has humility in it to grow. And so thinking about God's call for us to love our neighbour and to feed the hungry and to bless people, um, I was thinking about what, what does this look like for me? Um, something that Scotty, um, this is an A.D. Leeson quote via Scotty to me, um, is that do something that tests the quality of your love. And I think that this call to be... Um, challenged in our character requires a stepping out that I guess allows us to see what the quality of our love is and then to like push in again and so yeah thinking about this call um, that I think God gives us all to, to love and bless others um, and thinking about I guess a value that Blueprint has which is generous hospitality which is what the chapters are all about I've been thinking about how um, in that, God doesn't just want me 
to cook the food. It's not just about like the mechanics of like put the rice on, chop up the onions, put the plates in the right place. In that process, God um, wants me to know deeply that I am loved, that I am welcomed into relationship with God. And from a place of rejoicing in that, perceive others with the same love and invite them into a life here on earth that reflects that love of God. And that um, when those people annoy me, um, it's a process for me to learn how big God's love is. Not just for them, but for me too. That there's enough room for them in the kingdom, and so I have to be challenged to learn that there's enough room for them at my table. And conversely, and this is this is a harder, possibly even a harder one for me, is that um, sometimes I need to receive other people's hospitality. Sometimes I cannot cut the onions, or it would be ill-advised for me to spend the time cutting the onions for people at that time. Um, and I need to receive that from other people. And there's a process of grace and of not having your um, pride wounded in that. Is anyone else relating to any of this? Right. Good. And so this is what it takes. I think it takes humility. Humility to admit that we get it wrong and that there is just a lot further to go. Um, but that we are called to be obedient and keep going. And in all of this, we are called, as Paul says in two Philippians, Philippians? Philippians. Philippians. Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> this is like a Vanuatu, Vanuatu situation. Um, Subaru, Subaru. Um, we are called to have humility like Christ and to have the mind of Christ. Um, Shall I read this bit from 2 Philippians? I might see you close next week. Okay, yeah, alright. Thank you, Philippians 2, Jesus and stuff. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing with his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, looking not to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself himself by becoming obedient to death, even on a cross. And so I think um, where this leaves us, I feel like the... um, The call that is echoing through these scriptures we've been in in James is a call to live a more integrated life. A life that doesn't have like compartments of um, my quiet time with God and what God is calling me to and how I go and live my life. 
um, but that all of that, our, our minds and our actions, um, all come together in a greater wholeness and a greater shalom and a greater reconciliation. To love the Lord our God with our heart, mind, soul, strength, and to love our neighbours as ourselves. And it's scary to, um, to step into that in a new way, to open up more of the kind of cupboards <laughs> and doors in your life for God to come in and rearrange things. But I think that um, the one thing that we're invited to, to step into that is um, humility. And so maybe we'll just, um, I'll just invite you to close your eyes and just take a moment to let that sink in and then I'm going to pray for us. For you, remembering that um, we love because you first loved us. And we just acknowledge that it is scary to consider um, changing our minds and changing our, our lives, and that we need the work of your Spirit in that. God, thank you for giving us even a grain of faith a grain of humility to recognise um, your goodness to us and our unworthiness of that. But I thank you, Jesus, that um, you gave us a model to follow and you were obedient and humble even to death on a cross that we might come into relationship with you and might walk in your footsteps. And so God, tonight as we worship you, we say we're open to your challenge. We're open to receive your call for greater integration, um, to prompt us, God, to step um, off the beaten track into a new way of living with you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are here with us. Show us a new thing now as we as we praise you. Amen. So as we worship together, if you would like prayer, if you are feeling um, prompted by God about something specific, or just generally this call to um, again confess um, to humble yourself before God. Please, we'd love to pray with you.